0: Hey, everybody. I am here with uh, my friend and colleague, Pat Sane, with uh, Steady State Media. And um, Pat, you have the, the, the distinction of being the first uh, sort of video production specialist uh, that I've spoken to. Everyone else has been in marketing or design, but you're, you're in video. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me.
0: I'm really looking forward to to your insights, especially for the students in at Pitt and at Point Park whom you know some of them are in marketing, some of them are in design, but it seems like video is kind of at the center mm-hmm. of of what they both do. so um, if if you don't mind and humor me what what's your background? what got you started in doing video work and in and video production? And, uh, and then
1: ultimately leading up to steady state. sure so uh, I, I think I knew from a very young age that um, I wanted to be in uh, in video somehow uh, which is interesting. I, I feel like a lot of the a lot of my colleagues, a lot of people who do video work um, started um, with more of the mindset that they wanted to be in film. Um, you mm-hmm. know that's obviously at a younger age, especially when you're getting into it that's your your initial thought is, I want to be a filmmaker, I want to be a director, um, but having video cameras around, um, really from a young age, I just love the technology um, and working with it. Uh, our The high school that I went to actually had a really great um, program for video production. Uh, got involved in that, there were, you know, the community television was run out of the high school. Um, so that was great, that was kind of my first, you know, real look at, uh, at, at what, you know, I could be doing with, you know, good equipment, full equipment. Right. Um, so graduating high school, uh, actually started at, uh, at Point Park. Um, oh, okay. I did. I, uh, while I was there, um, I actually got into the film program at Point Park. Uh, that was kind of the closest, um, uh, program available that kind of matched what I wanted to do. Um, this is, coming up on 20 years ago now. So it's been a while. It wasn't really a digital, any sort of digital program at Point Park. Um, it was through Pittsburgh filmmakers. I'm not sure if you're, um, and at the time Pittsburgh filmmakers, Pittsburgh filmmakers was really focused on, um, the art of filmmaking and not so much, um, the practicality of making a career out of it. The commercial aspects. Uh, Right. Exactly. And, and, um, I, I kind of knew right away that that really wasn't good for me, um, so I ended up transferring to Pitt um, very shortly after. Uh, got involved in the communications programs at Pitt, um, specifically some media communications, and then um, uh, film studies as kind of separate coursework that I was that I was also doing, which was really a lot of the same stuff that I was doing at Point Park. Anyhow, through Pittsburgh Filmmakers, Pitt. Had a relationship with Pittsburgh filmmakers at the time, um, so I, I went through my collegiate career, I guess, uh, through Pittsburgh filmmakers and uh, and Pitt. Um, my senior year, um, I got an internship with a company called New Perspective, uh, who's unfortunately not around anymore. I remember um, them. They, they were they were a production house. that was they were a staple in Pittsburgh for yeah. a while. It was them and uh, maybe two or three other. Uh, production companies that were really doing the majority of the the work in the city at the time. Um, I interned there for, who, I think it was the second semester of my senior year, um, and I actually got the internship with my current business partner, uh, interestingly enough, who I also went to high school with, um, didn't go to college with, but um, we, you know, we interned together at the same place. We both got our first full-time jobs uh, at the same production house, which was a spinoff of new perspective. It was um, uh, it's called on Motion media. Uh, they're they're still operating here in Pittsburgh. Uh, we were the first hires there. Um, and what was really attractive to me about really what new perspective, Mind over media, all those all those production companies were doing was um, the 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 blend of the industrial, uh, type of video projects that that interested me, that kind of business storytelling, um, and the, the marketing advertising side of things where you could be a little bit more creative and, and kind of do some of that work. So um, from the beginning of my career uh, at those places and at ON, we were doing work for um, not just some large local uh, companies, corporations, but um, you know, also institutions like Pitt, uh, that probably the most memorable project early in my career that I worked on was um, the institutional uh, commercial for Pitt that aired during the basketball games and football games and those types of things. So, um, you know, that that kind of, I guess, formed the beginning of my career as I moved on from on, I actually went back to New Perspective, uh, spent about a year there. Uh, and as soon as I got there, I realized that um, I had, some clients who I had been doing a lot of work with who I felt were loyal to me um, and realized that uh the next logical step in my career was to start my own production company Uh, so the director at the time at new perspective and I uh started steady state kind of um behind closed doors and you know on our on our side time uh and um as luck would have it we both got laid off um, You know, this is this might be the first time I'm making this public, but we both got laid off with with our business plans in hand, um, ready to (laughs) spin off and and start our own company. Uh, We got laid off with uh, with severance packages, and we're kind of told, you know, good luck. We'll use you for some freelance stuff in the future. And it was literally Mm -hmm. a week a week before we were we were uh, slated to do that. So that was. That was kind of a sign that, that we were serendipity right there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we were doing the right thing. And interestingly enough, I think uh the first uh the first job, the first job that we did when we when we opened our doors was for Pit Business. Um uh a pr- a project for the um study of the study abroad um program at Pit Business. So uh Pit Business definitely has a, a place in my heart for for that. Um, so steady state as steady state's evolved, um, we were a production company, uh, solely a production company, is what we focused on, and continuing to do the work uh, that we've done our entire careers, and we still do that now. Um, but in the five years since we've started steady state, uh, we've we've turned more into a marketing focused company. We still do um, communications videos for, for corporations and things like that, but we're really starting to shift our focus more towards. Uh, marketing now we have strategy in-house who my business partner after he left uh new perspective went to the client side uh and worked at a couple of technology firms doing marketing strategy uh you know video is you know to your point earlier um it, it is you know a central focus on uh that that students will learn about um as far as marketing campaigns go and communications campaigns go, but it's really, um, just a tool in a, in a good marketers toolbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that, um, I think that Kevin, his experience, uh, being out on the client side and realizing what video was started to align with what my vision started to be about what video should be. Uh, when I, when we first started our careers, video was expensive. Um, Big companies would do very small quantities of video. They would maybe do one, uh, you know, company overview video or commercial or something like that, and basically blow their whole budget on, on yeah. one video. And now that things have evolved, video is so much more disposable. Obviously, this isn't news to anybody. Um, but uh, the focus of where budgets should be spent uh, has shifted, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of companies. A lot of production companies really aren't uh, adapting to that as quickly as they should be. So um, the last two years is really where we focused on not so much, you know, looking for those project-based jobs, but looking for campaign-based jobs uh, for for production, and then you know, helping to supply the strategy behind it.
0: Well, you know, in addition to that, and you know, correct me where I'm wrong, but like from from your end of things, it's okay to do one-off projects, but you know, the, the possibility of being involved in a campaign level project where you're, you're shooting a lot of video, you're doing a lot of strategy and, you know, direction and creative direction, things like that. You want that to occur over multiple parts. So it like, you know, really encompasses not only the vision that you have for the client, but also um, your creative capabilities. So you're, you're best serving the client in, in that respect. So um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your interest in that campaign aspect where a campaign is maybe multiple videos of different messaging and how you go about, you know, what, what the process is
1: uh, with that, your creative process. Sure. So you're right. Uh, the, the project-based work, Um, I I mean, it still makes up a very large portion of our, of our revenue. Uh, So we are still doing a lot of that project based work, but what we're trying to help clients focus on is that project based work. um, Even if it's just, you know, one large image piece for a company doesn't need to be just that piece. Um, You know, you create a great video about your capabilities and you throw it on your website and, and share it with everybody on LinkedIn, maybe on Facebook and then kind of forget about it is, is obviously not a good use of budget. Um, So what we do is when we're approached a lot of times with this project based work is look at it and say, okay, we can take this longer form piece and break it down into, you know, what we're what is commonly referred to as micro content where you're covering smaller facets facets of the larger piece uh and giving yourself some more shelf life or runtime with uh with those individual pieces so um that's you know kind of one way to handle the project-based work and when you get into the campaign-based work um you know it's more sitting down with somebody like kevin who's on the marketing strategy side or an internal person Mm -hmm. at at a marketing company and saying uh, you know, what, what part of the sales funnel are you looking to attack with these marketing videos? Um, you know, here are the formats of videos that we can create that can, uh, speak to each parts of that sales funnel. Um, and, you know, really create an efficient way to constantly, um, be creating, uh, quantities of those videos. You know, if you're, if you're going out and shooting, one customer testimonial video and just getting one customer testimonial video out of it. Again, it's not the most efficient use of your time, but if you're going out and shooting with a client, uh, a a client's client and, you know, having them give a testimonial, if you're not looking at ways where you can make that um, more than one piece, you're just, again, you're not being efficient with your time. So um, that's kind of how we go into a lot of those campaigns is looking at, you know, what are the different formats that can, that we can create video or content that speak to different parts of, of a sales funnel and then um, being as efficient as possible to create as much content for each each uh, step along the sales funnel as possible.
0: So even, so with respect to that, you know, you're doing this video work and, and on the strategy side, you have to have a full understanding, uh, you know, you use the term the sales funnel. So you have to have a complete understanding of not only general marketing and sales techniques and strategies, but also what the client does relative to their own strategies and what they've applied and adapted and built themselves in order to make your final output, your deliverable, the most optimal solution possible. Um, and you know, that gives your work as a consequence much more depth and and meaning to it. Um, And, you know, to, you know, to your point where you've got some clients that just do one-off things, like not only is it not an efficient use of their time, but also their money because they are only thinking about that end deliverable. Whereas you guys are thinking about the deliverable as in addition to their entire communication process. And ultimately, how is that deliverable going to augment or enhance what they're already doing? And, you know, and I'm, I'm speculating and not necessarily of your clients, but just in general, those clients that just want that one-off video, they probably aren't even aware of what their true, uh, sales and communication practices
1: are that I think that, um, a, a, a handful of clients, not, not, not all of our clients, certainly, but a handful of our clients uh, we'll look at sales and marketing uh, separately, and yes. what we're trying to help them understand is that sales and marketing should should be working hand in hand. Um, and and you know when you have that separation between sales and marketing and they don't communicate as well or that the, the purpose of marketing isn't to feed into sales uh, as seamlessly as as it should, uh, what you get is on the marketing side you get people who are order takers, who are going out and and, um, hiring other order takers. So Mm -hmm. a a marketing person who says, oh, well, you know, I'm being told, or I know that we need a company image video, I'm gonna go hire a video production company that's gonna help me put together a company image video. And nobody is really focusing on, you know, what that messaging should be to help sales. How are you speaking to your clients, your customers? Of course, they the, the marketers and the, the people internally who are bringing the projects to us know who their clients and their customers are. But are they talking to the salespeople enough to know what what are their 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 clients' pain points that you're trying to speak to uh, in some of these videos? And and you know, a lot of times we'll look at a video or a project, and if there isn't that that synergy. Um, then, you know, we kind of can tell right off the bat that, that this isn't going to be as effective as as it, right. as it could be. So, you
0: know, uh, I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of slightly off topic, but still, I think, relevant. Um, I, I keep seeing ads for this new video service called Quibi. Mm. I don't know if you've seen those. I, I have, yeah. Yeah, where, where everything is shot vertically. How do you feel about uh feel about that now so it's shot vertically but it takes up the entire uh capacity of of the vertical screen so it's not like you shoot it vertically and then it's condensed down to a horizontal format it it's literally the whole phone screen
1: how do you feel about that i am i love it um i think that (laughs) so to back up maybe two or three years ago um when we started this shift in our focus to uh, being a little bit more marketing centric about our uh, our production, um, one of the techniques that we tried to get a few of our clients, and a few have adapted to really well, um, a few are still struggling with and fighting here and there, um, but one of the techniques that we tried to help them focus on was, you don't need us there to help you film all of these videos. You, with a little bit of training, um, you can be filming a lot of this stuff yourself. Give it to us. We'll put some polish on it, but, um, you, you should be out there with your camera. You have a 4k camera on your phone. You know, you don't need us for all of this disposable stuff. Again, it's right. going to through your budget to have us out there so much. So we try to push this on a lot of people. And the training that we are trying to give people, um, was, you know, the very basics of how to use a phone to film. Um, and, and it occurred to us, very early on that people weren't comfortable turning the phone sideways and filming in landscape mode. And and as a filmmaker or a, a videographer, somebody who's in that field that, that you know, I guess when filming yourself became a little bit more common, that would drive people nuts, right? And now I just think it's just, it, it, that's how people are comfortable doing it, with selfies, with whatever, with the way they use their phone, they just want to have mm-hmm. it work like that. Um, two or three years ago, YouTube, Vimeo, um, even LinkedIn uh, or Facebook didn't have the um, responsiveness to take those videos and to have them live in that aspect ratio. So it would just populate with the, the black around it, right? To fill in the, the space that, that wasn't video. Now as people at LinkedIn or, or Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, start to realize that this is not going to change, this isn't going away, now there's that mm-hmm. responsiveness where uh, I just, right before we hopped on this call, finished doing uh, a couple of videos for a client that is gonna live on LinkedIn, it's going to be square. And the, um, the way that it displays on the phone and on the browser is going to fit uh, into the post at the 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 way that it should, the way that it was created, uh, rather than squeezing it into a letterbox or doing whatever. So it's becoming more and more acceptable, and I think as technology is starting to adapt to that being a new standard aspect ratio, that that vertical video, um, I think it's I, absolutely acceptable now. And I think uh, you know, in a lot of cases, it actually looks good it, it, if you're viewing it on your phone and it was shot that way. That's naturally how it was shot. I think it'll it'll show right. up. In, look good that way yeah it's fascinating to see how a product
0: has completely redefined how a discipline functions you know with relation to the the changing aspect ratios and not only that but it's it's bringing new voices to the table Mm -hmm. so like you know every time my wife shoots wants to shoot a video i say rotate it 90 degrees make it landscape Uh, and she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Just let me shoot it. Let me capture the moment. But I'm like, I need horizontal, (laughs) you know? Uh, and so, uh, or like when we do photos, she'll shoot it vertical and then I'll, I'll shoot it horizontal because I'm thinking about the mediums that I need to apply to, even if it's like my own personal stuff. Sure. And so I am glad to see, you know, those, uh, those platforms and those formats you know, shifting to fit what the products are demanding. And, you know, with it bringing new, uh, with there being new creative voices to the table, the democratization of video capture uh, is really fantastic. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy TikTok is because of what people are making. But ironically, I loathe the app. (laughs) And I will never... (laughs) like i'll never download it uh or use it um i'll only use it for like pit business if if we even venture that far which i don't think we will but nevertheless yeah i i opened the TikTok app and i'm like i i I don't know how to use this yeah like i i I should be i should know how to use this i I can't figure it out and then as soon as you open it it's like video immediately and uh The thing that I discovered, and I don't know about yourself, but uh, the thing that I discovered is that I'll happily consume TikTok content and Instagram TV or Instagram video content so long as it's curated because there's so much of it. There's such a high volume of video content that I'm just as fine tuning it out and having people say, watch this one and this one and this one. Uh, it, I,
1: I think it's going to be really interesting to see over the next, you know, however long it is, maybe <laughs> decade or longer, um, how much uh, of advertising and marketing budgets are going to get shifted into apps like that. Uh, yeah, I know it already has started to do that, but um, I think that you know there will be a point in our lifetime where uh, budgets for advertising on um, on Snapchat and on uh, TikTok. Uh, is going to surpass what you see for, for broadcasting, advertising dollars. Uh, you know, obviously there's always going to be the platforms uh, like LinkedIn and, and Facebook where money's going to be spent, but it'll be interesting to see as it evolves and these other apps start, start popping up, how much people start focusing more and more on that and start leaving broadcast and, you know, other, I guess, what, what are newer now um, platforms how much they they start getting left behind with with apps like that right
0: you know i i don't own an apple watch uh or a smart watch at all in fact i don't even like having things around my wrists sure but um i was thinking about how and i don't think the apple watch has a, a good enough processor in it to be able to do video necessarily in a meaningful way but like at what point are we going to be watching you know videos on our on our wrist there? oh yeah that's, that's <laughs> for sure yeah yeah Yeah. So, uh, uh, switching gears, I want to, I want to know, uh, so steady state is pretty much a a remote business. I mean, you guys, you have an office and you know, you can take clients down there, but for the most part, like you could work anywhere.
1: Uh, that's true. Um, there is something to be said about, uh, the employees of steady state working together and and being in the same space rather Mm -hmm. than, uh, having to communicate virtually. I think that's probably been the biggest challenge we've had. Uh, during uh, during isolation here uh, but um, that that's right I mean you know most of our work can be done can be done either you know on clients locate at clients locations or you know out in the field uh, we do have a studio now in our new um, in our new office so we can we can film some stuff uh, in our office but you know most of the post-production most of the strategy all that kind of stuff can all be done at home
0: um, so you know, is the, is how how's the pandemic affecting you relative to that?
1: Uh, a good bit. Um, you know, I, like I mentioned, project work still does make up a, a a portion of what we do. So a lot of that has been either postponed or, or canceled outright. Um, you know, when when we get into being a a marketing firm, um, it's not just the content creation; it's also the support on things like conferences, um, that, you know, our, our customers are either putting on themselves or going to, to be a part of, to present at. Uh, and we, we, we offer support for, for things like that. So, uh, I guess it was as early as February, really middle of February, uh, a lot of those conferences and things like that started getting canceled or, or postponed. So that kind of, that chewed into, um, and really kind of forced us to start to adapt To how we're going to get that, our clients are going to get that information out to um, to their clients, their prospects. Um, So you know, we've we've been we've been trying to offer uh, you know a little bit of a a pivot in the way that that we create this content or help clients create content. Um, And so far, so good. A lot of people have been receptive to it because you know, truthfully, nobody's been through this before, so nobody really knew how to react. The the, the tools and the things that we wanted to do um, or that we, we would recommend the clients have always been around. Now it's just shifting the messaging that we would otherwise do in person or at events like conferences, now shifting it into these other, these other modes of, of content. So you know, that reminded me of, you know,
0: the, the, so events are getting canceled. Um, you're finding a gap in, you know, your, your flow of work. I'm on the marketing side. Client side, and all of my events are being canceled. Then I have very few things to do. So I'm trying to pivot and focus on storytelling and narrative from a variety of different perspectives—written, graphic, video, audio, uh, especially—and um, then just also just trying to get by and teach my classes. True. But uh, one of the things that's rippling through higher ed right now, and you know, I know a lot of industries have seen some major disruption, but at least in higher ed, we've seen a lot because you know our entire business model depends on people to be next to each other um, excuse me and uh, so like graduation is going you know virtual yeah and I saw one example of a virtual graduation online on YouTube and it was just lame oh my god it was <laughs> it was very strange I mean the I don't know what the purpose why they were doing a virtual one to begin with. But basically, it was these six people, the speakers, the president, the provost, et cetera. Um, they all had their hat and gown regalia on. They had the stage all built, but there was no one there uh. at all. And they, So they basically just sat down and started reading uh, from a teleprompter or scripted notes on the lectern. And that was it. And I'm thinking like, there's got to be a better way to do a virtual graduation, especially because the whole thing, the graduation is, it's visual, it's auditory, it's experiential. Um, That's why you remember it. That's one of its appeals is it's a thing that you do and you participate in and it's interactive, even if it's boring, <laughs> yeah. right? But um, do you think that there's a way to use uh, video in a really captivating way to uh, make some of these virtual graduations more
1: than just talking heads? That's a, that's a great question. I, I hadn't thought about that. I will, I will tell you, I saw one um, that was, I think it was in Japan. They were doing a commencement where they Is had- it Mine- Is it the Minecraft one? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. okay. But, Go so on. it was, it was, it was basically robots with iPads on the top of the robots heads and they had the, the Dean or, or the, the president of the university standing there and the robots would come up and it was the faces, the iPad webinar mm-hmm. linked. Uh, faces of the graduates as they walked up and the Dean delivered a, a message to each one of the Individuals graduating saying congratulations, you know, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I, I, I think, <laughs> I, You know, I that's a kind of a novel way to approach that uh, but you know I think looking for ways that video can replace the in-person Experience is is very difficult. Um, you know outside of you know, do you go to the virtual reality realm of things? If, if that's a, a you know an option way down the future where it's more ubiquitous that we're uh, you know using something like like virtual reality, um, you know maybe I think as technology advances, there are ways that that we can start to um, to try to replace some of that. But obviously, I think events like that it, it's really difficult being there with your family, being there with your fellow students, that type of thing. I just Yeah, technology, I think, can only take you so far as of now, anyhow. Right. And
0: so I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me of one thing. I don't know if you've ever seen – well, it reminded me of two things, but the first of which is did you ever see the the, uh, comedy sitcom uh, Community? Oh, yeah. So in Community, they did an episode where prisoners from the local prison were able to take classes at the community college – but they were in prison, so they couldn't leave their jail cell, right? right? So what they did was they put iPads on robots and drove them around right. campus, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's funny because, like, wow, well, you know, the, the, the folks in Japan, they, they came up with a solution for that situation, right? Uh, but really, leave it to some sitcom that was just really poking fun at, at drones and, right. and technology to actually come up with a, a clever solution to that specific problem.
1: Right. That's funny. I, I wondered <laughs> when I saw that, if that was, uh, if that was their, uh, the impetus of their idea was to, was they watched the community. <laughs> right.
0: Well, yeah, it that very well may have been. And I was, it also reminded me of Arrested Development back in like 2004, 2005 maybe, um, where, uh, George Senior, the the patriarch of the uh, of the family, he had a surrogate. So he had a guy because George Senior was in jail. He'd have a guy walk around with a camera on his head, uh, <laughs> and, and they would send video back to the prison. But uh, you know, I I think there there's an an angle here, a hook for you. So um, we don't. First off, we don't know if higher ed is going how they're going to react to this after. Well, it really depends on how the pandemic breaks out, but sure. like, are, will will, the, will there be brick and mortar classes in the fall? Boston University came out today and said, maybe not. So they're looking at a potential full on virtual rollout for the fall semester. Um, and if more universities adapt in that way, it's gonna make, Things like virtual graduations even more difficult but even you know some of those linchpin sort of key events I mean for god's sakes collegiate sports I mean how's that going to affect scholarship I won't get into that yeah right uh but um it, it did make me think of uh my wedding video of all things so we did we hired a videographer to you know, essentially do a documentary of, of our wedding, all this, all the great spots, all the sweet spots and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, if this is how things are going to be looking at, you know, moving forward, why don't we have like a, a video production vendor, right. Such as yourself, come in a couple times every semester and shoot just passive, you know, B-roll kinds of things, uh, it's just all passive. And it, that way, every single year, you could make like a flashback video that captures the year and it's very sentimental. Um, and there's no, it's not necessarily wrapped around an event. It's just there. And then you take that over the course of four years and then you right. assemble that into one you know, longer video. I
1: think that might be a solution for a virtual graduation. You know uh, I mean? So we actually had uh, a couple of schools at Pitt approach us about doing uh, some sort of a video for the graduating seniors that was similar to that. Unfortunately, uh, I think what ended up happening at the end was, well, this is really just going to be a picture slideshow because the footage really isn't there of mm. of, some of those events. Not not all the schools at Pitt um, have done as good of a job as uh, as Pitt Business has. And- <coughs> and mm. capturing yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know and capturing a lot of a lot of the stuff that goes on uh around campus and and you know specifically at the school mm. uh, that yeah so you know just doing picture slideshows really you know probably what the juice wasn't worth the squeeze uh right. as far as that went um but you know, bear with me as i kind of work through this a little bit I, something that's always really interested me and and um I'll get into it a little bit more. Is um, uh, virtual learning and uh, the way that learning management systems uh, can be implemented for not just corporations, uh, large businesses, but even to the university level. Um, I think that uh, having that kind of self-guided learning um, in mm-hmm. a lot of instances is is very helpful. Um, and 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 more effective in some ways, especially in the business community. I think when people find a little bit of downtime and they can log on to a learning management system and go and uh, uh, do their coursework at their own pace, uh, I think it's, um, you, you know, I, I think it can just be uh, that continuing education is is probably more effective in that, in that manner. Um, I, I don't know if that's something that uh, is applicable as much in a university that's brick and mortar the way that it is. Uh, But there is certainly a lot of content and I think a lot of opportunity there to start creating content for uh, a learning management system, even if it's not used in the traditional way that a a corporation would, um, where you're doing just as you're saying, keeping it relevant, uh, going out and filming more and more um, on campus and around that to keep the, the coursework you know, relevant to the time period that you're in. It's not something that's going to be evergreen and be able to be used year to year. You know, it's kind of getting updated as, as things go on. Now, the problem that I do see, and this might speak a little bit more directly to the students, you know, at Point Park or people who are learning some practical education on filming and, um, you know, the digital, uh, the digital coursework, the digital filming that, that I know Point Park offers. Um, that in-person application, uh, being able to have your hands on the equipment and being out filming with instruction from you know a professional or a professor, uh, I think is uh, is really invaluable. I don't know how you replace that type of learning uh, that in-person learning with on demand or uh, you know that that type of learning management uh, mm-hmm. so. so. I, yeah, I think that's that's something to consider. That's something to think about. I didn't mean to deviate from from your suggest, suggestion there. I did like that idea, uh, but you know, I, I think that has that has further implications beyond just being able to roll out a video at the end of four years to absolutely to class.
0: Yeah, I no, I I completely agree with you. So, um, just that we're getting towards the tail end of things, um, I want to know how. So you one of your interns is one of my students. Um,
1: Dan, Dan, so we actually hired Dan. You hired him. Oh, Dan.
0: great. Okay.
1: Dan is working for, for study. study. We, we, he was part of the TOFL internship program. Right. Uh, we had him last summer. Um, and he impressed us so much that, uh, that we brought him on. So awesome. Yeah. He's great.
0: Um, he's killing it in my class. Um, and if, uh, you know, he tells you otherwise, <laughs> no, no. Uh, but uh, so. Uh, but Dan is a, is a marketing student at Pitt, and so he kind of came to video work in an indirect way. And my point: Park students, they've got a lot of the software skills. They they can probably use all of the apps in the creative suite. Um, they pro- definitely know how to use cameras and whatnot, but they may not necessarily know how to apply their their video based skills to the actual profession. So collectively, what would be your recommendation for any student or uh, student now or graduating student, you know, that's interested in video marketing? How, how, where can they get their start? How can they
1: get involved? What do you think? Uh, so- I, I think for um, for a while my my advice has really been the same, um, and I think it was beneficial for me that somebody kind of passed this along to me. It was um, you know when I started out and just really had a goal in mind of being a video editor, um, that's what I wanted to do with my career initially when i when I graduated, and that was the first job I had was as an editor. Um, somebody told me along the way early in my career that learning just that uh, aspect of production um, is going to, in the long run, hamper your higher ability, your attractiveness to to future employers. Learn as much as you can about each facet of production. Even if you don't end up being a producer, or if you don't end up being a director or a cameraman, you just want to be an editor, you'll have an understanding of what their jobs are Mm -hmm. and how, as an editor, how that footage gets to you and how they're trying to tell the story and how you're a piece of that. You are not the integral part of, of telling that story or putting that video together. You know, it's it's a, it's a team effort, and the more you understand where everybody else is coming from, the better the end product is going to be because right. while you're not the main piece as the video editor in, in the final product, um, your, your work editing that is just as important as all of theirs are. And if you don't have the similar vision that they had, um, it's, it's not gonna be a cohesive story and it, it's not gonna be as effective as possible. Now on the flip side of that, uh, as far as somebody who's more interested maybe in just the marketing side of things, like I know Dan um, has an interest in photography and video, um, but he's not at the professional level. He does, does, didn't have the professional training to do that. What Dan has taken the initiative of and what impressed us the most with Dan was that he wanted to learn the content creation side of marketing so that he had an idea of when he sets a strategy up in his head or sets a campaign up in his head, what is my content creation team capable of Mm -hmm. and how do I communicate with them to get the tools that I need from them to make my campaign successful? So you know, the more you can learn about what everybody else is doing, uh, and, and the roles at a marketing firm or a production company, you know, the better off you're going to be, the more impressive, the projects that you complete are going to be. And and again, the you know, the more attractive you'll be to future employers as, as you move along in your career. And that's the value of speaking different languages,
0: so to speak. You know, Absolutely. I, I can code websites from the ground up, um, but I can also design them, but you know, at the end of the day, I would prefer to have a developer do what they do best. And that's code of sight. Whereas I can do the front end, but if I can speak the language, the translation is seamless, you know, that, 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 that point of mutual understanding, that's the center of the Venn
1: diagram. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and again, the more that you have realistic expectations of what other people were, are capable of in their role and, and what you'll be getting back from them, the more you can be realistic about what you can promise your clients, customers, boss—you know, whoever it is. So, yeah, I think that, that that ability to communicate with people when you don't necessarily practice what they practice is invaluable. So, Pat, if
0: my students are interested in learning more about you, about steady state, um, and the things that, that looking for more advice, the things you have to say, how can
1: they? How can they find you? How can they reach out? Learn more. So uh, our website, we try to keep updated with uh, content and information uh, as much as possible. It's steadystatemedia.com, um, and then you can you know find us on Facebook uh, or LinkedIn is really where most of our attention is right now. Um, so I would say uh, connect with uh, Kevin Hospidar uh, and myself and the Steady State page on LinkedIn. It's probably again where we spend where we focus most of our attention on, you know, learning new tips and tricks, sharing tips and tricks, uh, and, and, you know, following people that we've worked with and enjoy working with following their careers. So, this is great, thank yeah. you. I yeah, really appreciate
0: you. it. And uh, hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime soon. And if we do, I'm going to obligate you to play that
1: guitar. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I know three songs really well. All right, that's, that's it. But yeah. Well, what if I,
0: I break out my flutophone plastic <laughs> yeah. recorder and we can do like a duet situation? You're
1: sweetening the pot a little bit, but maybe still not enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, I'll you, you get your kids, I'll get my kid. They can be the, the chorus. Uh, there you go. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, thanks, Pat. This was great, and um, best of luck to you guys in uh, overcoming this, this pandemic. And I know you'll come out of the other side of this just fine. Thanks so much, RJ. I appreciate it.